There are three main things, in my opinion, that I have experienced that vary based on vary a lot when you decide to do something on, on your own. You have to negotiate your time, your money, and honestly, your sleep. My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and systems enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets business. And what it means to build better systems. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed, and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full-length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour-over, our private members-only Discord community, and any other subscriber-only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. It's getting to that point of the year where I'm starting to dread the exponential drop in in temperature. We're getting really close to that point. Because we had an exponential drop, and then wait, we went from like 70 to 40, and then we went back to 70. And so I'm not mad yet, but I'm really close to being really mad. Dude, next Monday, sorry, next Tuesday and Wednesday are supposed to be 69 and 71. That's good stuff. That's some, that's some inconsistent Chicago fall weather, but you know what? I'll take it. It's going to get to the point where we're going to really see the inverse of the may situation uh the the it's 30 degrees until it's 80 i feel like that's a classic i don't know every time we talk about the weather on the podcast i think about some of the first episodes we ever did in your bedroom in the gallery where you first explained to me this whole spring conspiracy thing or like with the weather where it was like i forget what the date you said was but it's like essentially like the second week in may so yeah second week in may like that's when you're out of the clear I always think about that. I don't think that there's a consistent one for the fall. We've had some really weird falls in the last few years you've been here where it's just been nice until like November and I'm like, all right, you got to chill. Like, cause this is just going to make it more annoying because then you are going to experience a winter where it's just going to be bad since like September 19th. And you're like, what the, f- <laughs> where the hell was the fall? Um, Maybe global warming will fix that, but we don't know. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I got back my... I don't know if I told you this. Got back all my midterms from... Yeah. I did? Okay, that was last week. Yeah, below average preparation, average scores. Average to above average scores, and so... Yeah. Other than that, um, we got conference race coming up this week, and so I actually had yeah. a really productive weekend. I got like most of my work done in a couple flow sessions between like Friday and Sunday. Um I got broken by my flow when uh the Bengals won. But other than that, oh yeah. Yeah, Bengals had a big win. Um Joe Brr. Joe Brr. Um But yeah, I, I'm glad that I got ahead on some work this week. I'm really trying to get into this state where um the weekdays I really try to absorb content. And so hmm. Like Monday through Thursday, I'm just like trying to be a sponge. I go to lecture and in between lectures, I'll sit there and revise my notes from that lecture and also translate things into my outline or into like notes on Anki. And then on the weekends, I really just try to gather new content, new information that will then be refined over the weekdays. 
I think it, it's been a good system because huh. I kind of put myself into like two different types of student mode throughout the week. Yeah. And it kind of, it's not only a nice change. I just think it's, it prevents um, trying to just gear shift on like some very different types of tasks, like reading and then trying to refine notes and write. Like those are just like, even in undergrad, it was kind of tough, but I think in law school where I'm really absorbing, I'm, I'm really, really reading things that are dense and take time to absorb. I think it's good that I don't have to go back and forth and have that kind of friction. So that's kind of been my big thing recently. You really like Anki then, huh? Yeah, I'm trying to get used to it. I think that especially I'm in a civil procedure class, which is very memorization heavy. Okay. And it's just it's just rules. Like it's just knowing the, the federal rules of civil procedure procedure and it's like i did I thought you just said something, something else <laughs> did it sound like something else i tripped up on procedure a little bit there um <laughs> anyways anyways it's a it's memorization heavy and so i um, i've been trying to use anki or something like that and i think it'd just be good for rules with other classes too yeah i've heard great things i know that I think Ali Abdul was one of the first proponents of that app back when he was like a student and made good content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus those Christ. were the days. <laughs> oh, stop. No, Man, Anki is like, of, a, it's huge right. in the med school realm. It is. Yeah. It is. I, uh, I like them. I just, oh, I've been contacted by a lot of flashcard companies that are competitors that are like, can you make a video on it and we'll give you an affiliate link? I'm like, yeah, I'm not in school, but like your app's good. So, oh man, dude, I, I'm really enjoying this series of ripping on people. It's funny. Yeah. You just had the, um, the Evernote sucks video come out, but I'm excited to see the so, next person attack. Well, ad hominem. Oh, Ali Abdel. Ali Abdel's coming. That's what the people wanted after the, the first one dropped in the, in the video comments. I respect him. I actually say a lot of nice things, which I kind of regret how I recorded that video. I wonder if I should go back and re-record it and just be harsher, but <laughs> I don't want to like be disingenuous. Like I go in on like one section very hard because I'm like, dude, you, you have five apps for writing your book. Like what kind of productivity guru has five apps for writing your one book? <laughs> but I was like, what the fuck? I was like, everything else I'm like, yeah, it's solid. I pointed out one dumb thing too where Dude, homeboy, homeboy does his personal task management in Todoist. Fine. It's great. He also puts down all of his ideas and goals in Todoist for his personal and business stuff. And I'm like, wait, but you have your team work in Notion and you have idea capturing. Wait, I was like, what is it? You have idea capturing in a task app, but you have teamwork in a team app but you're not writing your book where your idea and your idea capturing for goals is different in a different place than your idea capturing for the book. That's so bad. I was like, wait, why would you, why would you have a project and to do is for goals? That's just stupid. It's a task app. It's it, yeah. Recently, this is another thing I've actually done this past week is I've been trying to, so I bought Todoist Pro, and I'm really trying to get into the GTD, yeah. GTD method. 
Yeah, capture, clarify, organize, uh, reflect, and uh, engage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, a little David Allen type stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to do it on Todoist, and they have like a huge blog page that kind of walks you through it. And on one part of it, they're talking about the resources part of it. And they're like, yeah, Todoist isn't the best for putting down resources, but here's a great way you can do it. And I was like, you cannot sell me on this, Todoist. This is not a place where I'm going to hold any kind of knowledge. This is a place where I'm going to have tasks and reflection. But all of my knowledge management is still going to be on Notion. That is just how those apps are best used. I wonder if I could figure out a nice Todoist to Notion sync that would make sense from an idea capturing perspective. Because it does have nice quick capture capabilities, which I respect. However, if you were to example, quick capture it into a project that was called second brain or something. And then if it had certain tags, it could be tagged in certain ways and synced to Notion. I feel like that would be good. Uh, it's just like using the data later sucks. I mean, I don't even want to get into... Todoist would be one of the... Todoist would be perfect as a task app if it had two things. Write this down. Hold my beer. Uh, if it had a calendar view and if it had dashboards for goals and prod um uh task like workload for teams it would be a1 because they own a messaging app do they yeah twist imagine uh, slack but skinned like todoist it's amazing because you can easily take messages from twist and add todoist tasks and stuff Great. Wow. I think uh, Keep Productive uses it for his team communication and then has Todoist uh, team stuff in there. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Now add a calendar view. I don't want to tell you again. Why the hell can I... Yeah, I, I think Todoist Sorry. would be perfect if there was... I mean, I know it defeats the whole purpose of Todoist, but if it didn't have to have a checkbox... Like if there is some, like if you could make a project, like a, a reference or like a resource to where it doesn't Dude, need to have everything. You can do that. It absolutely could do that. No, it can. Currently? There's a trick. There's a trick. Yeah, see, I haven't, I haven't seen Dimitri Panici's um, whole Todoist course yet, people. I forgot to put it in the course because I didn't know it was a thing. You gonna show me here? Uh, what if I told you I forgot? Eh, show me later. Show me later. No, this is bothering me. This is bothering me now. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Don't fixate. All right, fine. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting if true. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Oh, that's it. That's it. I actually did have it right. I just missed it by one thing. All you got to do is this. You just got to put an asterisk, space, and then the thing. So, like, it's very simple. So, you just do asterisk, space, resource. Wow. See, but yeah. that still doesn't look nice because it has, like, the the lines and, you know, it just looks very tasky. I, I respect this opinion still. Also... Somebody ripped me a new one on Skillshare about my course. About Let's your to-do-ist course? No. Oh, we're going to read this? Let's read this review. 
let's uh we should just read hate comments once a week on the podcast yeah i'm genuinely like entertained no i've been dying to do this i, I wish that somebody would collect all of uh all of the youtube comments too just the outrageous ones yeah should have my assistant get on that be like hey uh who hates me should be like this dude hate this dude hey this guy this guy stinks this guy stinks um this guy stinks it's a pat mcafee meme um let's look at this review okay so nothing more than a to do is documentation documentation read out loud we can see that the presenter is not really used to the app used to the app and some examples are way too fast for a beginner i didn't learn a thing honestly but i'm already using the app for a few months clearly not an expert training now i do want to say i i'm sorry for the butchering of that i'm not sure if this person was a native english speaker so i had to do some like ad hoc word changes to make it like grammatically almost correct um no slide on him just that kind of made it harder to read um yeah no so there's there's a couple logical inconsistencies in this critique um how can i how can i be not proficient in the app but do it fast yeah right um you didn't learn a single thing, but you've already used it for a few months. And I, and I literally prefaced at the heart start of the course that I'm going to take you through how to do things in Todoist. Yeah. It, it's, like, I'm from, just gonna it, literally t- it's from complete beginner to expert. <laughs> uh, now me putting to expert might've been a bit of a stretch. And now I do want to, I do want to say I did do some documentation reading before this. However, if I literally went through the entirety of the documentation of the application, would that not inherently make someone an expert at using the application? <laughs> yeah, and you're adding mm-hmm. illustrations and your own experiences too. I, I, I was a little like, if you had some legs to stand on with this critique, like, you could have ripped me a new one in better ways than this. You <laughs> went hard, but it wasn't like accurate. At least say, I, say my nose is big or something. Oh. Call me d- a dumb poo-poo head. I don't know, but I don't know. Like, here's my thing. How can you make somebody an expert at an app that is literally a task app with two views? Yeah. I'm like, I told you pretty much everything you can probably know. And that's the beauty of Todoist is it's <laughs> low, it's kind of intuitive. I mean, you can, I mean, you know, keyboard shortcuts and views and understanding how you should be using your projects and using tags and things like that is important, but it's almost like a, an ideological thing. And if you want to just go strictly brass tacks type of stuff on the app, there's only a certain amount that can be said. And I really do hope that people are getting value out of this course because I actually did cater towards beginners. That was the whole reason yeah. that I made the course. So like if it's for beginners, you, did you, check out some of it i don't actually remember i think you did no i i have watched a good amount of it i i watch bits and pieces because it's in the it's in the shared file and so i just watch the the headings that look like something that i have a question about okay well hopefully it worked for you as a as a beginner and it did it did absolutely all right do you want to get into okay. the uh the topic of today which is um I think you said earlier, it's not that simple. Okay. I thought we were going with, it's not about you. Oh, no, that's the name of the other episode. Oh, okay. I see. Yes. Uh, I'll read this quote that I carefully picked up for this episode. If you don't 
build your dream, someone else will hire you to help them build theirs. One second, let me try to not butcher this name. Jerubai Ambani. That could be right. Probably not, but you're close. Yeah, it was. It didn't sound like garbage, hopefully, uh, but a really insightful quote. And they vaguely say that they're an entrepreneur. And I like this quote because it rings true in the sense that a lot of people go about trying to build their dream or thinking they want to build their dream. And they never end up doing it. And then they just end up working for somebody else. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, doing what you like doesn't necessarily pay the bills. Yeah. I think the... Thanks. Good episode. <laughs> good episode. I think the bigger lesson to be had here for me is, um, from this quote at least, is that if you don't build your dream, well, why aren't you building your dream? It's because it's hard and it is it require you to do things you do not want to do. And if you do not do that thing, the inverse of it is that you could do not do things you... You could do things you don't want to do in the effort of building someone else's dream. And so either way, like, like th- that's just part of building something or having a job is you can, no matter what career path you choose, there's going to be parts of it that you don't like. There's going to be days where you show up and don't want to do it, but are you doing it for yourself on your own dollar or are you doing it for someone else? And a lot of it comes to the, the, the safety net of it too, but a big part of it is that people can't imagine the extra hurdles they might have to step over in hopes of building their own dream. And I think the path of least resistance in a lot of cases is to just contribute to someone else's dream. Yeah. And I thought about this earlier. Uh, one second. I'm writing down an idea. Okay. So I have a, uh, CEO of our company who seems to just love what he's doing and he started it in his uh, Dartmouth uh, dorm room supposedly and I'm like one Dartmouth good job Mike two um, you know you probably are living it because you're living out your dream and I'm just I'm just the schmuck who's doing hands on keyboard work for a software company for their paid search ads so it is very interesting how though the general sentiment is it's easy to get there. And in general, even him and me talking about him like this is also me making a lot of assumptions. This guy, every single Thursday, reads out shout outs that other people in the company do for uh, each other. Like the, there's like this little section where we can fill out this Google form and we can say like shout outs for coworkers and he'll read them every Thursday. They're called, they're called uh, Mothner messages. On Friday, so read them out. We submit it on Thursday. And I'm like, man, you're a saint or you really don't want to do this and you're just sucking it up because it was really good for company culture when you had 50 people, but now we have like multiple hundreds of people and it's a little bit overwhelming, but you're just going to do it anyway. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, this seems like an internal newsletter type of job. But, But... he probably like if 
say he's got a nice heart and I hope he, he wants to do it. Regardless, I appreciate the sentiment because he's out here hustling because he knows it's probably good for company culture regardless whether he wants to do it or not. And what does he do? He just kind of shouts out people in the company? People shout out people through this form and then he reads the submissions out loud on Fridays as he gives company, a, a weekly Friday company update. And you know what? My last agency, I barely, barely ever heard from my CEO. Don't know his personal situation, but I know that I wish I would have heard from him more. That's some feedback. If he ever somehow listens to this, I'd like him to hear. I think a lot of people in your company for a 20-person company would love to hear from you more because at the largest private digital marketing agency in America, the CEO reads a message every Friday and records it every Friday. And he seems to have the time for it, just saying. Good for him. I honestly respect that a lot from a culture standpoint. I think that it can be, <laughs> there was, um, I worked at, when I worked at the bike shop, the person who owned the, the, the store, who was kind of like top boss, he used to be a salesman. He worked his way up to manager and then he became like basically the owner. Um, he would stop in every now and then when he was at our store and he would just kind of like go through the motions with a customer as if he were like just another salesman. And I'm like, you don't need to do this. Like, you're, you're just doing That's this. Cool, to, it, it was cool. It was really humbling because he was like a master at the craft of the, the sale of a bike. And it was kind of interesting to eavesdrop and hear what he had to say, because I, th- I think that he formed really, really like intimate connections with these customers every time. And he'd always get them like, you know, with the bike and all the products that they feel like they needed. But at the same time, I was like, man, you don't need to do this. You could be sitting at home doing nothing. Like, why are you here? <laughs> There was this part of me that was a little resentful, but you have to absolutely respect it because, I mean, he's doing something good for the culture and the same sounds like um, is true for your CEO, but it's only true because they decided to build that dream for themselves and now other people are building, continuing to build out that dream for him. Yeah, today we just got like some investment. I don't know what I should say. I don't know. It's going to be public. I have no idea. Company's getting bigger. I'm just going to be vague. I don't know. Uh, and it was cool. It was cool to learn about it. And I'm just like, yeah, still the largest private marketing agency in the country, which is big deal because there's always holding companies that own these marketing agencies eventually. And he's very passionate about keeping it private and keeping us with all these perks. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And he probably had to do a lot of work though that he didn't want to do. I mean, he was probably buying keywords in 2002. Uh, <laughs> back when like literally paid search, you could buy a keyword. So like if someone would Google a keyword, you would own that keyword and they would be, you would be at the top of the page for that search. And I'm like, you could buy keywords, man. That is what a time to be alive. I wish I could buy some notion consulting keywords. That'd be great. Yeah, and I'm sure that, I'm absolutely sure that Mike went through his hustle. I mean, to build a company from the Dartmouth dorm, although that comes with a certain level of, you know, status. Like, he already had a head start in a a lot of senses, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Like, he easily just could have, you know, gone and worked at the, the current biggest private marketing firm instead of building what would become the new biggest private marketing firm. It's easy to do that, but I think that he understood, I mean, he clearly understood that he could be in a situation where he's doing more things that he likes to do 
if he's willing to go through some things that he really doesn't want to do right now. And I think that one of the things you really have to get over when it comes to building your own dream rather than building someone else's is this, these expectations that it'll be more fun when it's you doing it for yourself rather than you doing it for someone else. I think a lot of people have the impression that if you're doing your dream job, it's just always going to be fun. And when you have that kind of high positive expectation, reality, as the Stoics say, almost always kind of sits in the middle. And so you should keep your expectations very close to the way things actually are. And I think that since we have such low expectations of to traditional nine to five jobs that aren't our own business, I think that people just, I don't know, there's, there's no disconnect between expectations and reality there. And people see that as much more attractive than the, the heartbreak that can come from being your own business owner. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting three-pronged like idea I just came up with for talking through this topic. There are three main things, in my opinion, that I have experienced that vary based on, uh, vary a lot when you decide to do something on, on your own or like on the side that, you know, like just my experience of trying to get it to be the thing. You have to negotiate your time, your money, and honestly, your sleep. And it's negotiating how much you get and when you get it. So that means for money, how much are you going to make in the beginning? Also, even when you're making money, how consistent is it? How consistent are you getting the income? For time, it's like how much time are you actually spending on this thing? When are you able to spend the time on it? Like this also goes and ties into sleep too. How much are you getting? When are you able to sleep? Do you, okay. I'm just curious what your opinion on this will be. When do you think I actually would like to wake up? (laughs) (laughs) No bias, none of this self-help BS, none of this, oh, but I'm doing it for the business. Like if, if I had to, what time do you think I actually would like to wake up? I'm not going to take away the the self-help stuff because I do think that is part of who you are, but, um, probably like a 7am, 7am job. Even my bias right now is telling me like six, but you know, like, yeah, I would like to wake up a little later, right? I just would. I just would. I just would. And <laughs> I'll stop. And are you crying? Are you, are you crying right now? I almost cried on a video recently. I was record, this morning. I was recording the last episode and I was like, of uh, recording it. I'm like, thank you for all the support. And I'm like, Stop, you're not even memeing right now. Well, like, they're going to see it's not a joke. You misspoke. Last episode in your current abode. Yeah. Oh, duh. I did really misspeak. Yeah, hopefully I'd, I record again. Good Lord. If I don't, well, see ya. Yeah, no, I, it's like, I, I would really like to wake up later. Uh, it's not that easy. Like, by the way the way that this topic came up is apparently one of our mutual friends heard things were going well because I told someone and then someone told someone and then apparently everyone knows and you are actually in the weeds with like what's going on and you're like yeah I mean he is but like he does a lot of stuff and I'm not necessarily sure whether that's stress free 
Yeah, exactly. Some people, you know, it's just the way things go. People always hear about the good stuff, but they don't see the the build up. It's like it's the social media ism of conversation. Exactly. It's it's almost like um how we're talking about Alex Ramosi. He really wishes that Jeff Bezos recorded his whole process of becoming what he is today because people would see the amount of struggle and strife that goes into actually becoming what he became. People don't ever hear about that. And in the same sense, people hear about, oh, Dimitri's doing well with this consulting stuff, but I'm on the other end of this hearing for weeks and weeks about all the stress that's going into building a business, hiring and figuring out how to do these calls. And just, I mean, all this stuff that you were so prepared for, but also it just, it, it, it's just laborious at the same time. It's really crazy to me that Rise Productive is almost at its three year anniversary. Over the years, we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies, operations, and intentionality across multiple content platforms. Between the podcast, newsletter, and YouTube channel, we try to give you as much free value as possible. All that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content. These podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who just like you just want to get more efficient. Thanks in advance. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, and it's very interesting to me how the average person just goes and says immediately like, wow, they're living their best life. Usually they obviously attribute money to positive uh, things. You know, it's like, oh, he made money. Like, it's he's making more than I thought he would be making. I think somebody asked me point blank that uh, my friend NH, uh, who went to Iowa and ran cross country, mm-hmm. asked me, uh, you know, like how things are going. Uh, and... I had to show you a very disturbing thing why he ended up texting me. It was because a mutual friend of ours got canned for saying something very bad to a student of his. Um, oh, I will send you this video later. Okay. It's bad. <laughs> and <laughs> Yikes. And um, we then talked and he was like, yeah, yeah, is YouTube going? I'm like, it's well, it's going well. Um, I'm also doing like consulting and stuff. So it's a lot more than just YouTube now and, you know, busy. He's like, well, how much are you making? And I'm like, ah, I don't usually like talking about that kind of stuff, but I'll tell you, my friend for a long time, I don't think you're really going to judge me or something. He's like, and he went, holy sh-. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I hope I can make it a business. And I was just like, in that moment, I'm like, yeah, for me, it's not really about the money. It's like, I want to have a sustainable way to live life and impact people and not be stressed. And when you do these different things to get the money to be the thing. I'm just going to say it how it is. Unless you're a YouTube whiz, you're not going to really do what you want. Uh, and and uh, make passive income online in like a few months or a year. Like, it's not that easy. It's not. Even Mr. Beast is stressed out all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think, look, it's, it's October 2022. But when did you start making YouTube videos and waking up March early? Tw- well, you started waking up early in 2019. You started making YouTube videos in like 2020. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the billable hour looks really good right now. But thinking back to what we're negotiating <laughs> in terms of time, money, and sleep, you're actually at a really bad loss right now. 
in terms of the aggregate, because for months and actually years, you've negotiated time, money, and sleep away. Nah, I guess not a ton, a ton of money, but a ton of time and sleep away without really any ROI. It's just that now this is all kind of avalanching by the fact that you are honed in on some powerful skills from what you negotiated away for years. No, I, I, I did negotiate away for money. There could have been direct money coming back into my pocket doing other things. Yeah, I was going to say like the time. I could have video edited it for 30 to 40 bucks an hour on yeah. the side. Yeah. On Upwork. Time is money, cliche, but I don't know. I, I, I guess. No, seriously. Yeah. No, you absolutely could. I mean, that money would exist. It's an opportunity cost thing. Yeah, I mean, like you'd done the video editing before and you could have just kept doing that. But yeah, where's the ceiling on that? Exactly. That's the thing. Where is the ceiling on it? You have to ask those questions to yourself and it's like, all right, but what do you not want to do? Right. And I think I hopefully articulated that with the whole sleep thing. Uh, what do I not want to do? I don't want to really wake up that early. Uh, and I actually have a list of things I don't want to do YouTube and, and uh, consulting wise. I only wrote, I only wrote out the YouTube things. I didn't even get to the consulting things yet. Things I don't want to do. Edit videos schedule videos, write descriptions, write tags, edit podcasts, edit shorts. Good Lord. F me. Edit a short makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, rescheduling videos when a sponsor reaches out to me and says, Hey, could you post this on a Thursday instead of a Tuesday? Cause like our marketing team was like on vacation in Belize, Spain. So like they didn't have time to check the video that you sent us two weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, can you like move the pixels on the screen? But since you have a thumbnail and you, you post daily and you have a scheduled video and you have a place where the file is in Google drive and you have it on notion and you have, uh, the community post, you're going to have to move six things, but yeah, can you move that to two days from now? Oh wait, but that, (laughs) since you post daily, that means you also have to move that video from Thursday to another day later in time. And you don't really want to make it excessively like months from now, because you're also ahead of the game on having ideas planned out and thumbnails made until like mid-December so yeah can you just figure that out for me please <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyone any, it, it sounds anyone so think easy that's I mean, can you just do that like that's can you just move that one little thing for me like that's so simple does anyone think that sounds fun <laughs> uh, no I mean no. absolutely not and like <laughs> I think it's it's fun for a time like I think there was a point where you learned all these skills and it was probably fun but it was cool once you get good at it and there's new fun things to do, it's like, okay, yeah, like these are just kind of, they become chores. They become errands. They're just part of the minutia. I think what I like about automation so much is the fact that it gets me one step closer to fixing the irritation of what I really want a computer to be, which is taking the thoughts in my head and moving the pixels on the screen and instantaneously to solve solutions. That'd be insane. Honestly, I just want to get to the point where I can press a trigger for an automation that interpreted what I wanted to happen in my head for all those things, and then it would do it contextually. (laughs) I think if that existed, people would pay millions of dollars for that kind of computer. Yeah. I mean, I would pay whatever I have. I would pay my last dime for it because, oh my God. Anyways, so... Instead of doing those different things, now what I'm doing is I'm getting an assistant or I'm getting a video editor to get rid of these different things. 
but that means I have to negotiate money. Yeah. And you come to this crossroads where it's like, do I really like doing every part of the YouTube process or do I rather do this consulting stuff and how much would I rather do this consulting stuff? Would I actually be willing to put away a good amount of money so that I don't have to do the YouTube stuff and I can do the consulting stuff? And it's not only a matter of how much you want to do it, but it's just looking at the, the balance sheet and saying like, well, where's the ROI here? It is almost... It, it, it sounds so counterintuitive to think that you're spending money to not do something, but that's that's what we pay for all the time. All we're doing is paying for our conveniences. When we Instacart food to our house or deliver a pizza, you're just paying to not have to go and drive or walk and get it. And it's the same thing when it comes to a business. You have to pay people to not do the things you want to do so that you can do the things that not only you enjoy, but can have a bigger ROI for the business. Yeah, uh, I think there's like a really weird thing that happens too with just the way that you perceive it when it becomes the status quo. Obviously, we've talked before about like the, uh, the what's it called? Um, hedonic treadmill. Mm. And like the second that four digits is the baseline. Okay, cool. The second five digits is the baseline. Okay cool the second you're not editing the videos okay cool second you're not scheduling them okay cool like you know on to the next thing which is not something you think happen would happen when you don't have to edit 30 videos a month anymore but does i tell you right now i'm appreciative i'll verbally say it to the guy over my editor i'll per- verbally say it to you i'll say it to myself honestly always feels like there's something else to get off my plate here's a quick question for you just like nailing in on the the, the things you don't want to do and um, I don't know kind of honing on this topic I'm thinking about negative visualization visualization from like the stoics if do you ever consider if things didn't work out and you had to take a step back would you be willing to edit videos, schedule videos, write descriptions, do all that again. Yeah. Or, yeah. You haven't gotten to a place with a hedonic treadmill where it's like, no, I don't, I don't hate it. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I like it more than other things. I like it more than working at a grocery store or whatever, but it's the least every single, the whole point is what are we going to like? You're not going to like parts of it. You're not going to like the entirety of it. If you like the entirety of something that you're doing, in my opinion, it's too fun. And it's not really a business. And it's not really a job. Yeah, you're probably not getting paid for it. Yeah. Now that is also working to the assumption that you do like parts of it. I think the old adage that you love what you do, never work a day in your life is partially true. And then people who say things like, yeah, work can't be fun are a little too far. You know, there's a happy medium. Yeah, I I do want to stay away from the uh, the negative, you know, kind of grind set, old head attitude of like, oh, work is supposed to be hard, like work's not play, you know, and I, I think that that just, we've covered that so much on this podcast, how that is just 
not the case, especially when you consider things like flow state and all these different... It's counterproductive. It's counterproductive. Like the, yeah, the the biggest indicator of productivity is happiness at your job. And I mean, that alone kind of kind of kills it right there. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to stay away from that whole ideology, but I mean, there is a nugget of truth to it that there are going to be times where it just isn't fun. But if you have those productivity kind of, you know, tools in hand, you can get through the suck and get back to a place where you are enjoying yourself. And I also think this is a productivity hacks. I mean, it just makes you enjoy it more because you're just doing it better rather than just flying by the seam of your pants. I guess I should point out this. You can get to the point where the majority of it's fun and almost all of it's fun, but it's going to take effort, right? It's going to take effort. Like until you've really gotten to the point where the only stuff that's annoying you is like mild ad hoc admin things. Cause you're like really limited the amount of things you're doing to what you want. You're going to have to negotiate somewhere because like, for example, Ali Abdul talks about it a lot. He's gotten to the point where he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't want to do. Uh, and even then he's not productive at writing his book <laughs> and yeah. And it's just because he's doing it as fun as possible. So it's like, you're going to have to negotiate somewhere. Are you going to negotiate with how effective you're being at doing the thing? Are you going to negotiate with your image? Cause people don't like him as much as they used to. Yeah, it's true. There has been a, a fall off on Ali Abdal love. And now let me point this out. Is it because he's gotten more successful or is it because his hands have been off the wheel more so you don't feel as much of Ali Abdal, which inherently makes me think I like him actually as a, as a content creator. And since there's less of him on the wheel, I don't like it as much. I actually like him more in his interviews and his podcast because it's just him. It's really hard for him to really add value uh, outside of just his opinions and questions, which he seems to be giving 100% effort to on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, no, I like Ollie. I just don't think I like this iteration of someone else's writing it and someone else's doing everything. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. And so I guess maybe a question for you when we're thinking about the hedonic treadmill of task delegation is when do you think it's going too far? Because it gets really tempting the more you, as you've said, the more that you delegate things away that you don't want to do. If you got to a place where you're delegating all of these things and then you have a new set of tasks at your hands, which are getting on consulting calls and, I don't know, just managing the team and doing the podcast and recording videos, do you think they'll get to a, you'll get to a place where you want to start continuing to delegate those tasks away? And like, when do you think it gets too far? Do you, you get what I'm saying? You catching my drift? I think it gets too far when your voice is lost. Yeah, and I think that. yeah, I think the Ali Abdul example actually tied in really nicely to the question I was going to ask. The second your voice is gone contextually to the business or to the content or whatever, it doesn't it's not you. So like, you just kind of it's not you. I don't know. That's that's why I think it goes too far. If the second I'm not like writing the. Uh, or uh, the second I'm not the one that's just doing the outline for the video, you know, like it's just my ideas. If I lose mm-hmm. the voice, if I lose the memory, I'm not going to delegate the idea. I'm not going to delegate the the scripts ever. 
I, I, I think that's personally sacrilegious to what YouTube is because YouTubers are writers who present the story they're telling on video. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I guess from a, a business standpoint, obviously the, the notion consulting the builds are your vision too. What if it gets to a place where it's, would you get, would you let it get to a place where it's not your vision? Yeah. Why? Let's answer. The answer is because I care about teaching people more than I care about uh, the pixels being in a certain place on the screen. Mm. You care more about teaching others and being right and having it your way. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if it's, uh, yo, if uh, I had a notion consultant working with me that got it right and moved the pixels on the screen, right? Because he is a better design thinker than me. Cool. But I'm going to teach people the system better and I'm going to have a better flow with them for them to keep coming back and make them excited about productivity. That's what I want. I don't really care if that's me. That is making the thing. I can't be amazing at making the thing and teaching the thing anyway. In my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I like this. You're very, uh, this is very idealist. Like in the, in the strict, like, um, yeah. Enlightenment philosophy type B is like, you just, you want to be the person who is predicating ideas and whether the, the physical things look exactly how you want them to isn't as big of a deal as long as you're able to connect with other people's minds, both through your videos, which are just a direct representation of your ideas or through consulting calls and teaching and letting the builds just kind of be the medium. I am a very big proponent of what you just said for myself. Yeah, I think it's more important than ever that I hone in on what matters. And if it takes a little bit money in my pocket and it makes me do mainly what I want to while delivering a better product by having somebody who's a better design thinker than me make the thing and then I teach the thing and I'm the one marketing the thing because I like marketing and teaching. Uh, That sounds like a win-win. That sounds like the real part of me being in the business and the auxiliary part of me who knows about notion, you know, not using that part, but also being well-versed on the subject is what's going to matter. And I'm not going to fake the well-versed part. Right. Cause I like the thing. Right. That makes sense. I'm thinking from a, a Tim Ferriss perspective now, like this is seeming like you're building a, a space for yourself in the business where you can't step away and have someone do everything better than you can because as much as we're, like about a month ago when we started doing this business thing, we were deciding whether you're going down the influencer route or the business route. And you're still going down the business route, but in this weird way where you're also a figurehead of the business. And so it's almost it's almost intertwined and you're positioning yourself to where you couldn't step away because you're still the ideology and the person behind the camera. And so I'm just kind of thinking like super end game, but like when you work for yourself, I'm pretty hard steadfast on this opinion, man. I don't think anyone should be making content unless they're the one fucking doing it. <laughs> I agree. That's a I ridiculous agree. sentiment. It's fucking stupid. 
I don't swear on the main part of the podcast usually, but good fucking Lord, if I see one more person who's a YouTuber get more privileged and act like they don't want to be the one making the fucking videos. Yeah, God. no, I absolutely agree. Sorry, but I think I'm that, mad at you. No, but like when people get into this game where they're building their own business, the end game is to step away and be somebody like the head of your marketing consulting firm where they're just doing internal newsletter type tasks where it's like <laughs> you're basically just a figurehead like you don't have to be here but you hear what i'm saying is that you're putting yourself into a position yeah. with the type of business you're creating where at least for the youtube channel you could not step away and for the consulting thing it's kind of your ideology too and you of course want to teach people but unless you taught your ideology to a team of people who would then become the new consultants slash builders, yeah. or maybe there's a team of builders and, there, and there's a team of consultants. You couldn't step away from that. Yeah, I think there could definitely be portions of it where like, yeah, I maybe step away in the sense that there's a consultant or two, does assistance. Um, I think everyone who's running a business should take time off. Uh, I think factoring that in, you know, maybe one other person does the consulting with me and, but I always have my hands on it in, in some sort of verbal way of being on calls and stuff. And, you know, maybe they obviously cover for me when I'm vacation or whatever, but like, yeah, man, I, I got a little triggered for a second. I'm like, I just genuinely get irritated when people are like, yeah, I would want to fully step away. It's like, that's my end goal. I'm like, your end goal is to not make content. Yeah. It seems like you got into the wrong side hustle then i'm like i see i see a point the only person that i almost give an exception to is this linus tech tips is a very interesting ethical conundrum he was like straight up lost as a person the other year and almost quit linus tech tips and was like, yeah, I don't even need to be here because I have all these other hosts that can do it. I have achieved everything I could have ever wanted and I am like lost as to what I should do. I'm going to quit. And I'm like, I kind of get it. But he did it in a different way. When I hear people like Ali talk openly about how he can get himself out of the business in a certain way, I'm like, bro, you're not coming at it from like an ethical conundrum standpoint. Like, oh my God, not an ethical, sorry. A, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't coming at it from like a, a midlife crisis. Like, oh my God, what is my life standpoint? Mm. He was coming at it from just like a plan. And I'm like, what? You know like what I mean? Exit plan. You see the difference there. Yeah, I see a difference where Linus didn't want to screw over his company and all the people that worked for him because he was like, damn it. I don't think I can do this anymore. I genuinely don't like it. I've done everything I ever wanted. I'm lost. That's different than someone being like, how can I separate myself from the business? I'm like, you are the yeah, name it, of the business. Well, it seems like with Linus, like the machine became bigger than him and it's almost like, what could I do? There's nothing for me to do versus Ollie is like, mm. he's just so big that he wants to step away and just purely be passive income based. Which I guess he could do at this point with like he can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever let me, he wants, let me right? It. I mean, he makes yeah. so much money, and like those videos will sit out there and get views for the rest of time. And if he publishes this book ever, 
that book will probably make money for at least a long time. But they both did the work. So I will say this. Ali was a doctor and doing it. He was working hard. Linus was doing this on the side a lot. of People don't know, but Linus was, I mean, working at a tech shop and like just on the side, like making these videos for another company called NCIX and just was like grinding it out for very little money. And you know what? They made it happen. But along the road, they had to learn a lot of skills. They had to negotiate a lot of time, money, and sleep away. And then eventually they got to the point where they could make these kind of decisions with money because they had it and they had the option to and they had the algorithm to support them (laughs) with whatever choices they made. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So if you ever had to step away, it would just be that, that, that'd just be the end. Wow. What an interesting question. (laughs) Would I give it to somebody? Would I? I'd sell it somehow. I think in this moment, my answer is that I would like sell it or something. I would let somebody take the reins and buy me out. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about. Oh, you know what? I'm a little ego driven though. I don't know if I'd like that. You're a little what driven? So I'm a little, I got a little ego sometimes. I don't know how I'd like if I'd like that. Like somebody else would take my thing. I think that's but, why you don't want to step away. You want to be somebody who's <laughs> continuing to make content, and it's like. This is who you are. You like doing that. You're not like Ali Abdal where you want to, I don't know, and people continuously change. Maybe the way that you see this in five, 10 years will be different, but currently I think you're still in a position where you're, at the end of the day, enjoying it more than you're not enjoying it. There's hard parts to it, but again, you're enjoying it even though it comes with a lot of stress and you want to, maybe we were talking last episode about building a second YouTube channel and building shorts and finding ways to repurpose the podcast. It's like there's a lot of content that still is yet to be made that you want to do. And I think that that will continue to reign true for a long time. And so I don't I, I see that in your personality. And so like, yeah, sh- sure. There's a little bit of ego, but it's like there's continued value that's going to come from that too. Yeah. That would be a weird thing. Do you imagine like a YouTube channel or just wasn't? me on it can you even sell your youtube channel like is that something you can do yeah you can do that um linus could have done it a lot of people have had that happen the fine bros sold their youtube channel if you remember the reacts people i might i don't know if i do like the kids react or seniors react to and then they watch youtube video yeah plenty of people have done it before it's popular or not popular. It's a thing that happens with when they become bigger companies. They just sell their their channel and their company. And I mean, obviously, like what's his name? Alex Ramosi sold all of his prior businesses prior to acquisition.com. He like yeah. went clean slate the other year. That's so crazy. And he's still making I mean, he he made he talked about it in an episode recently of how he has never started with cash. And he has always started from zero with every business venture he's ever done. Like uh, when he started Gym Launch, 
he had lost all of his money and we had started acquisition.com. He never used any old money. Like that takes a lot of, it takes a lot of work, but he's managed to find a way to every single fuck, every single time. I have no money with this concept. I'm just going to make it happen. And I mean, testament to you as well as you learn a lot more that way. I think when you throw money at it, I mean, that's just the way wealth works. If you throw money at something, you can make a lot more money a lot faster. But can you build something that's going to be high quality and as valuable? Probably not. Rather than doing it the way where you learn things and contribute your own knowledge to it and have your own perspective on it, become a you know true voice in the realm, it just adds a lot more. I think he, he said something along the lines of, I was trying to find it, said something along the lines of, Desperation fuels inspiration or something like that. And it made me think often about, you know, how much, what percentage of the day job being a thing is making me come up with these very, you know, uh, very hard to find solutions. Yeah, I mean, that that also is a testament to how he talks about you got to invest in your own education. I mean, you continue to do the day job, that's an investment in your own education because you could, we've talked about this, you could theoretically step away. But continuing to do that is investing your time and your sleep away. And what are you gaining back is a lot of skills that problem solve things that I would have no, never have thought of you're building a business because you work for a company that teaches you a lot of good marketing and just general business stuff that you probably did not learn in undergrad no i did not learn in undergrad good lord knows i did not hey man i'm i'm starting to be one of those people If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive podcast, as well as access to our subscriber only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.